Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Word for word, does the species make any difference? Is it possible to communicate with Bigfoot and other cryptids? Hello and welcome to the 792nd broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on WON, 1240 AM and 99.3 FM, and this is our 11th year on the air. I'm Ben, and those biological questions came from my co-host, partner in the paranormal, and dad, Paul. And uh, today uh, we were going to bring you a guest we haven't had on in quite a while, but uh, there seems to be a bit of a mix-up. So uh, if she can try and join us later, she will. Uh, but until then, you know, if you have any calls for us, the call uh, the number to call is 401-766-1240. That's from anywhere. Or you can email paul at behindtheparanormal.com or message us on Facebook. Well, first of all, happy Mother's Day to all the maternal figures out there. Uh, it is something that is very special to me. And I think uh, to anyone who has a, a mother uh, and that's all of us, I guess. So, mm. happy Mother's Day. Uh, we're going to give you the intro here and the bio of our good friend Karen Anderson. Uh, we just have been unable to reach her this morning and hope everything is okay. Uh, she will, uh, we have sent her a message to join us later by phone if she, uh, if she can. However, this is a subject that is very interesting and dear to our hearts and we will make it do our best to tackle it ourselves, but we'll give you her bio anyway. Uh, best-selling author Karen A. Anderson has been communicating with animals and using other psychic gifts since she was a child. Her first book was Hear All Creatures, The Journey of an Animal Communicator, of which I was the editor. Uh, the first edition was published in 2008 by New River Press, our little family media company. Uh, too bad, Ben, we didn't have the Barking Cat Books imprint then. That would have been mm. perfect for the subject. Uh, also, her, another book, the, S- the Secret Inner Life of Pets and The Amazing Afterlife of Animals, Messages and Signs from Our Pets on the Other Side. Uh, these have won so many book awards that I've lost track. Uh, I have to add that we uh, will not do any animal communicating on the air today, especially if, if Karen doesn't join us. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, and there are some listener questions we want to get to. Uh, I think we can deal with those as they come, and we can pass them on to Karen and uh, provide the answers at a later date. Uh, you can con- contact Karen Anderson directly through her website, uh, animalcommunicating.com. There's also Karen Anderson. Uh, .net, KarenAnderson.net. Yes. Okay, so uh, we will hope to welcome Karen at some point uh, here um, soon. If not, we will reschedule uh, at a later date. Okay. All right. Uh, <clears throat> the question of, of animals and communicating is um, one that may be deceptively simple. All of us, uh, well, not all of us have pets, but most of us have, have uh, pets of the mammalian variety, maybe a dog or a cat or a we, uh, we, I don't know, is it weasels or ferrets? Or, yeah, and it's one, it, of those, one of those two There's things. a lot of um, communication that occurs, but the kind of communication we're talking today is it goes beyond body language and uh, would be actual um, intelligent communication with an animal that is either lost or in in distress or just uh, per, the owner just doesn't understand it. This is the way Karen's explained it to us in the past. Uh, also, there are the issues of, of animals who have um, died or translated, as we say, uh, and communication that way. Now, Ben, you have two uh, rather uh, interesting felines. Yes. And how do you feel you communicate with them? Uh, or they communicate with you, like feed me or something? Well, they they're very vocal. Um, hmm. It's it's I I guess I don't know. I I find it funny 
because Marion works from home, so she refers to the cats as her co-workers, which I think is kind of funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I don't really get a chance to see them interact that often, but when I do, um, they have like very odd habits that they that they kind of do when they want when they want something. So Clementine, um, who is the older of the two, is Clementine and Linus. Um, they, it, if you want to know that everyone thinks that it's like they're re- related through like, um, like, uh, the names are related to, uh, the Peanuts cartoons that they're not. It's, it's, oh, right. it's, okay. it's for, it's for ancient, it's ancient historical figures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. That's our family. We would do that. Yeah. Yes. Marion picked the names, not me. Just throwing that out there. Right. Um, anyway, so they are very vocal. They like to yell at me, um, when they're, when they're unhappy. Or or if they're happy, I don't know. They make different noises for different things. I found mm-hmm. because I I know from from experience and from um, you know biology courses that animals can um, you know mimic human sounds to kind of like get the point across of what they want to want to do. Really? Huh. Yeah. Um, like I've I've we've had to take Clementine to the vet a couple of times for various things because she's overweight. So her her body kind of just like for lack of better words just just not that great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we yeah, I know take, I see her yeah, frequently. Yeah, yeah. So we so we um, decided to, or well, I, I kind of pay attention whenever I'm home, and if I'm I'm not doing anything, which is very rare, I'll just you know, you know, observe them doing things, and they have such a weird relationship with the world around them. Not like weird mm. in a bad way, but they're just like really funny, <laughs> like. Yeah. Like you know, Clementine will be laying somewhere, and Linus will just come and lay on top of her, and like, and he's yes. like twice her size. So it, it's just it's just a fun fun thing to watch them interact. But I feel like I can I can kind of understand what they want, what they say, okay. um, kind of go from there. Well, uh, th- let's take it a little deeper. Uh, there there are two levels I wanted to get to today, and in case, even with Karen, you know, I, I wanted to get into this with her uh, had she been able to uh, to join us. Um, uh, and and we, we we can do that later if she does. But there there's the issue of um, going beyond the body language and the eye language to actually speaking with them. Now, in my own very strange experience, uh, we have um, seen that there is a lot more to animals than meets the eye, as they say. In our 2016 book, uh, Ben and I wrote together, uh, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, we have a chapter on animals and the paranormal. And we get into uh, things that, that have happened in our lives that were quite remarkable um, <clears throat> in the um, early... Uh, to mid, uh, actually, well, actually, they're through most of the 1980s. Uh, I was a, uh, an editor at the Providence Journal uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, where we, uh, in the vicinity in which we live, and uh, th- that that title is misleading. There are many editors, and I was not an important one. However, <laughs> I very often handled the wire desk, in other words, uh, the uh, Associated Press wires. Uh, newspapers subscribed to news services, and uh, Associated Press, United Press International at the time, and some others, and th- the information would flow into my primitive uh, computer system there, and uh, also w- one or two others who might have been working with me on the wire desk, and we would uh, get the, the latest news and pick what stories from the wires that were not written by journal reporters would go into the paper the next day. Uh, so uh, I would work, and you know, you put out the morning paper uh, the night before, so it would be equivalent to a second shift job. So the point being that I was home uh, during the day 
while my, my long-suffering wife, Ben's mom, was out doing her 9-to-5 legal thing. And I was with uh, not only our boys as they were growing up, but with our pets. Now, we lived in Cumberland, Rhode Island, uh, off Manville Hill Road in a little wooded hollow behind uh, a church. People call it the Russian Church. It's a dormition of the Virgin Mary Orthodox Church. And uh, <clears throat> a very, very secluded spot for northern Rhode Island. And we had uh, chickens and up to, um, not, at, at one point, uh, geese and stuff, rabbits. And we had up to nine cats at any one time because you need you know, you have grain and stuff stored. You don't want to have rodents and things like that. So the cats would, would be around uh, for that. And they were pretty much outdoor cats, but they would go under the house. We had a crawl space for them to go in when it was cold. And uh, they had quite the community. But I was able to watch them. You know, most people, Ben, don't watch their pets. Maybe you do because you... you, you um, I mean, I grew up with you, so... <laughs> well, that's true. Yes. Uh, all right, I, I'll leave that alone. But uh, <clears throat> we, uh, I was able to, we were all able to watch our cats. Uh, they had quite the community. Uh, they seemed to be quite uh, not only intelligent, but in many ways uh, compassionate. And I'll tell you why. There were several points. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know if you were. This is, but might have been before you were born. But your brother would remember when one of the cats, uh, Calico, uh, uh, literally adopted a baby groundhog that somehow, apparently, had lost its its uh, mother, mother and father. Uh, at another point, one of the cats adopted a baby rabbit. Now, these are prey animals, and cats are predators. And one would think they would have, uh, you know, killed these, but they did not. They adopted them. Uh, for uh, several weeks uh, until, uh, or almost a month in one case, when they were old enough uh, to go off on their own, uh, the cat would take care of them, and the other cats would not bother them. I was amazed by this because I'd never heard of anything like it. Well, I had heard of things like this before, but I never had never seen it. The um, when the animals, as I say, were old enough, off they went, and uh, that was that. Uh, there was a certain. Um, pecking order among the cats. Uh, they ha- just as packs of wolves and dogs do. They had an alpha, uh, a head cat could have been uh, male or female, and uh, the the alpha, as we would notice, would always keep his or her tail straight up in the air. Okay. And uh, the alpha would be the one who would, um, I guess, thinking that I was the alpha, actually it was your mom, but, but <clears throat> the, the, of, of the humans would come and rub against my leg, and the others were all you know friendly. We could associate, but they wouldn't. Uh, have as close a relationship to me as the Alpha did. <clears throat> I found that interesting. There were funeral customs among the cats. And we, we mentioned this all in the book. There was um, a, if you've ever seen the, the Jungle Book uh, by Rudyard Kipling with, uh, you know, Mowgli and, and uh, Shere Khan as like this, what is like a Black Panther or something uh, who was uh, the the apex predator i guess of the jungle i think Shere khan was a, was a tiger there was the, oh, maybe there a tiger was, there, a tiger, was, there yes. was the panther that i forget his name that was that yeah. was uh, uh ralph sort of, uh, no. yeah ralph yeah. ralph the panther yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no but uh, <clears throat> all right Shere khan the tiger yes he would uh, come in and and uh, everybody was afraid there'd be sightings every now and then in the same way we had sort of a Shere khan in our little uh, enclave there it was a copperhead snake which is poisonous, and there are, are not supposed to be any poisonous snakes in Rhode Island, but apparently no one told the snakes. So uh, th- there would be sightings every now and then. I remember one time I was wheeling you in your little uh, stroller uh, up the hill. Because th- uh, anybody around here knows 
Cumberland Hill in our listening area, and it's very, very steep. They don't call it Cumberland Hill for nothing. Mm. But I was uh, wheeling um, up the road toward our, our uh, property there, and uh, there was um, Shere Khan, the, the snake, just crossing in front of us, and we kind of backed up. And um, But I think that he, that he killed one of our cats because uh, the cat was, um, uh, I found the body, and she was the alpha. And uh, it was uh, it, the state of it was such that I, I was thinking snake bites. So anyway, I, t- I took the the body out uh, from under under our house, if you don't mind. And the other cats, there were eight others, sat around in a semicircle, very respectfully, as I took the body out. Uh, I brought the body, put it in a, in, a, in a container, brought it over to a place where I was going to bury it by the, the road into the woods. And all the cats followed me, sat respectfully in a circle. Uh, I buried. Um, it was cats. It was uh, Kitty Wells. Actually, was was the the, the alpha. Mm. And uh, one of those cats for for a month sat by that grave day and night. Uh, they would take turns. Uh, there was a place. Remember all the the, the deck space we had. Um, we had nothing more, more deck space. We had living space, but. Uh, between um, uh, a building that was kind of the chicken coop and, and a combination office for me, <laughs> mm. and uh, <clears throat> there, that's where she would, where Kitty Wells would sit and sort of hold court. She had like her own cushion, and the cat sat around that as if she was still there for more than a week. Hmm. And uh, nobody, and the, as soon as uh, the body was, was buried, the um, actually was was taken out to be buried. Um, Gray Bear, who was a large male. Uh, apparently he was the new alpha. He he. The tail went up. He came over and rubbed against me. So the point being that there is a soul to what we used to call when I was growing up back in, in the, when dinosaurs were grazing on the town green, uh, dumb animals. And it was in the 19th century term brutes. You mm-hmm. know, not necessarily meaning cruelty, but just you know, dumb animals. And I don't think there is any such thing as a dumb animal. So this, they, they apparently have even a culture, leadership, um, the makings perhaps of a basic civilization, as we might want to call, certainly language, because they, they certainly understand one another. We, may, we, we might not be able to. Uh, although research is being done now with dolphins, this came up in the show with, with Jeff the Talking Mongoose two months ago or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember that, that was that was funny. I, I cited a, a Gary Larson uh, uh, Farside cartoon where they were they were working with dolphins trying to understand them, and the scientists are there, and um, they, speaking they were speaking Spanish. Well, yeah, they, they were they were uh, phoneticizing the dolphin sounds, and, and uh, they just didn't get. They were the, the phonetic sounds were you know habla español and the como está, and, and they they just couldn't get it, you know. So anyway, I think that that's probably where we are. Uh, that's a good metaphor to where we are in science. I mean, we think it's all about us. We think it's we're the only uh, intelligent species on Earth uh, in, in that sense, and we um, are amazed to find that birds communicate with one another in apparently uh, vocabulary and syntax, mm. uh, even across different species. Uh, so in other words, there's a lot more to communication with animals uh, that science recognizes than... Um, we had uh, had realized in the past. So, so, so that's one thing. But uh, animal communicators like Karen Anderson, who is a psychic, will take the uh, take that to the next level and be able to and, and say that she can communicate with animals on a, on a on a higher, almost person to person level 
even verbally. Okay, mm-hmm. now I, I'm not going to speak for her as she, you know, hopefully she can join us later. I don't know, but uh, having had her on the show before and having known her for many years, uh, this is essentially the scene. The uh, <clears throat> the among the questions I had for Karen were, what is the nature of this communication? Is it verbal? Uh, <clears throat> is, is it like, you know, are we? Meeting, <coughs> excuse me, animals halfway, or are we treating them as little people? And maybe, maybe they are. I mean, what we've said so far in the show indicates that perhaps they are, in a, in a way, kind of small people, you know, uh, sophisticated beings who um, respect and have spiritualities and everything else. So, uh, and many, many people who have pets might, might agree with that. So uh, that's one of the things I wanted to ask her about that. Uh, on another level, uh, one of the things that's really interesting is the the notion of when you pass away, die. We don't even use those terms. We use the term translate, and we're usually talking about people. But Karen will says that she can communicate with with uh, the deceased um, animal loved ones of her clients. Okay, and uh, you know I, who are we to say that doesn't happen? But I, I have questions about it. One of the basic questions I, that we always ask psychics uh, are, is, uh, <clears throat> how do you know that what you're communicating with, if, if you really are communicating with something outside yourself, uh, and we could argue that there is nothing outside ourselves, but that's for later, uh, are we really communicating with something that is what it says it is? I think that's a major concern. Um, <clears throat> we are, I think, uh, lately getting toward having one or two more psychics on the show than we used to. We never used to really, you know, I mean, it seems like a lot of them would say the same things. Uh, and it's, I don't know if that's true. No, I don't know if it's true anymore. No, no, no. I mean, uh, we used to have a lot more psychics on back in the day. It's been a very long time since we've had one on. Oh, yeah. No, that's what I mean. I'm talking about in, in recent times. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. So I was been on here a long time. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, no, exactly. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I met uh, Gary McKinstry at the um, X-Filers uh, convention uh, in Warwick uh, two weekends ago, and uh, we really hit it off. He, li- he lives over here in Dublin, Massachusetts. He's right oh. in our listening area, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to having him in the studio, and uh, uh, he and his wife and I are going to have lunch uh, and, and just talk about what to... We always talk to our guests about what to talk about on the show, because we only have an hour, and we want to keep it moving. Oh, plus, it's good to you know, be prepared. <laughs> Well, it is. Well, he he sat through. Now you were you weren't able to be there when we spoke. No. But I was. Um, I spoke about you know, the multiverse and, and and you know the different points of view we have from the standard uh, spiritualist kind of uh, approach that that a lot of psychics take. Mm. And they were all for it. He <laughs> says you know this multiverse thing is, and I I, I don't want to speak for him as I say because we haven't had him on yet. But he seemed to be very. very um, um, receptive to that idea and uh, said that it, it agreed with, with their point of view and with what they found. In other words, you're not dealing necessarily with a spirit world and a physical world as the old-time spiritualist thing goes. You may be dealing with millions of parallel, uh, mostly perfectly physical realities. Mm. So with this in mind, the pet who dies or translates is alive in many times in many places mm. elsewhere you know and uh oh do we have karen there or? uh give me give me two seconds okay please keep talking okay <laughs> I, will, I have no problem doing that 
But the question arises again, you know, uh, are they just like people uh, alive in many parallel worlds where, the, where they never died and can they be communicated with? Uh, we certainly have plenty of evidence that, that uh, not only can, can people be communicated with, but also, um, you know, ourselves uh, as far as other versions of ourselves. And this gets into a whole new approach to, um, I suppose, what the psychics and mediums will do. So what we, um, uh, hopefully we're going to get Karen here, uh, what we want to talk about too is the spiritual versus physical uh, animal afterlife, because that's the title of one of Karen's books. And what do we even mean by afterlife? One of the issues uh, too is that, um, you know, you have uh, time problems. You know, in other words, uh, 1952, the um, uh, Albert Einstein, of course, wrote the book Relativity and essentially uh, indicated that time does not exist as we understand it. Uh, we have uh, no past, no future. It's all simultaneous. So do we have Karen with us? I'm here. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations. Here we go. Sorry about any kind of mix-up, but you're here, and what the heck else counts? Karen, we already read your bio, and we, we've been discussing these things from our point of view, but why don't we just uh, get right into our questions? And I didn't want to speak for you uh, as far as you know what what you do and what your point of view is. So why don't, why don't we pretend it's the beginning of the show, Ben, and uh, w- welcome Karen back and start with our first question. So welcome back, Karen. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Alrighty, so uh, Karen, let's let's kind of start off with um, with you know something something relatively basic or, or seemingly basic. So when we talk about communicating with animals, what's the nature of that communication, or does it vary from person to person or animal to animal, for that matter? Uh, you just you cut out on me real quick there. What is say that one more time? Oh sure. Uh, so what do we mean by animal communication? Oh, okay. Um, well, simply said, it is basically a transference of thought. So from one mind to another. So even you can do this between people. It's called telepathy. So it's basically transferring a thought from one mind to another. And what I'm able to do is I'm able to intercept and interpret the thoughts of animals, and I'm able to put that into a... Um, understandable format, whether it be whether they show me a, an image of something. Sometimes I'll see a mini movie playing in my head, like if they're showing me something that happened to them, I'll actually see like a little video clip of it. And then other times I'll get a feeling, an emotion. Sometimes I'll get all of those combined. It just really depends on the animal. It depends on the situation. Sometimes they're very chatty and and talkative and other times they're really shy and conservative it just really depends on the animal so is it easier to communicate with a pet or a wild animal uh i think it's easier to communicate with a actually a deceased pet of all things because they are pure energy if you think about it they don't have a physical body anymore and our living pets are they have many distractions. They can be hungry or they may want to go outside or they you know, may want to just walk out of the room and go do something else. And a deceased pet, it's pure energy, and I read energy. So for me, that's the easiest uh, way to go. Um, wild animals, it's the same process, but as you can imagine, it's nearly impossible to validate 
any of the information they give you because how do you validate it? Well, you become Jane Goodall or somebody. You know? Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you first start communicating? Pardon me? How did you first start communicating? Oh, gosh. Um, this was something I could do as a, as a young child. Like, my very first memories are of my uh, childhood pets. And I remember having silly little conversations with them in my mind. But back then, I just thought everyone could do that. I didn't realize it was something different or unusual. But it wasn't until I became a uh, police officer, that's when... I had a bit of a uh, spiritual awakening, you can call it, and I started actually hearing words and sentences that were applicable to the crime scenes that I was on, of all things. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that in your bio. That's one of your most fascinating stories. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it kind of blew my mind. I mean, here I am, a, a, a deputy in Colorado, and I'm on a crime scene, and the resident cat walks out and tells me where the bad guy is. <laughs> it's like, I love it. That's that great. Heck? <laughs> did did, did uh, the cat testify in court? That would have been interesting. <laughs> I don't think that would go over real well. No, probably not. Um, uh, that's great. Uh, we have a bunch of our own questions, Karen, but we wanted to, we have a bunch of people who wrote in questions, and we'd like to. Um, oh, we have to take our break already. Doesn't seem right. Anyway, we'll be uh, we'll be right back. It's behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON twelve forty AM and ninety nine three FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone Valley, and our great guest Karen Anderson on animal communication. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Don Brunell inviting you to join us on the Midday Show from noon to 2 every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday with the Super Quiz, great oldies, and interesting guests. That's Midday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday from noon to 2. And we're back already. It's Behind the Paranormal, and we're going to get right to our listener questions for Karen Anderson, the animal communicator. Ben? Sure. Alrighty. So we're going to start off with Carrie uh, from Fairmont, or Fair, yeah, Fairmont. Uh, West Virginia, and uh, Carrie writes to us, uh, I always feel like I communicate with my pets. How do I know I'm really doing this, or is it all in my head? Uh, well, many of the people that I teach how to do this ask that same question, and when you're first learning, it really does seem like you're making it up. It seems like your own imagination, but that's truly the foundation of learning how to communicate. And as you get better, as you practice more, you'll be able to determine what is your actual thought and what is a thought or a message from a pet such as your own. Now, I will tell you that practicing with your own pets is great. However, it, it, it can be a lot more difficult because our brain already knows everything there is to know about that animal. So it'll autofill you know, it's kind of like autocorrect on your cell phone. It <laughs> wants to it wants to fill in the blanks for you. So my recommendation and what I teach in my courses is to practice with pets you don't know. So those of your uh, friends, your coworkers, pets that you don't know the the little quirkiness about them, and that way, as you're learning, you are more likely to accept that message that thought because you you can't autofill you don't know that pet no, that makes sense all right well, uh, well there's one thing we what we got into uh, before you joined us karen 
the notion of animals as much more than we think they are, and, and, and what we were, we would look at our own pets and our, when we had a lot of cats and stuff, and there was a evidence of leadership, uh, culture, uh, even spirituality, funeral customs, things of this kind. Um, and that was leading us into the notion of what we just talked about with you. And uh, the... The notion uh, that, that that brings us to is that of individualism um, and also Einstein's vision of time, okay? We are great, you, you know our work, uh, we're, we're great non-advocates of the island theory uh, as applied to people, and I guess in this case it was applied to pets as well. In other words, we're not just self-contained beings, and that when we lose our bodies, um, the laws of physics do not allow for spirit beings, okay, in our world. But in parallel worlds, the laws of physics can be different, and this is pretty good physics, actually. So that brings us into the notion of what are we really talking to? What is the energy that you discuss, and also the ontology involved here? We have an idea. One of our gripes against everything is that we people will take everything we encounter, whether it be paranormal or science, and we, we make it, we reduce it to our own terms. So to us, we're individuals, uh, we are born, and somehow we just assume that we're going to remain us, not only after we die, but forever. You know, and, and that, that's a really dubious assumption, I think. And to assume that pets will is a very interesting extension of that. I mean, may, maybe we do. I, I don't know. I doubt it. But uh, I think that, that we sort of um, really blend with other aspects of ourselves, other facets of ourselves, which could be our pets. Not with our pets, but a total identity with our pets. In other words, uh, we had Rusty the Cat. We were very close to Rusty the Cat. And I think you, you actually did a, a reading on him one time when you were on the show six years ago. And... Uh, <clears throat> Rusty uh, translated, as we say, um, in the presence of, of the boys and myself a few years ago. But uh, again, his his presence is is there, be, not because he's with us, but because we're with him in worlds where he never died. Those are all goofy concepts, but we think that's really how it works. So uh, the point is, um, do you believe that, for example, um, Caesar, a cat my f- mother's family had in the 1920s, can still be reached, you know, as Caesar, as an individual, as opposed to an aspect of the the, the living life of our family. I know it's it's a weird way to put it, but but what, what do you say about this whole notion of even animals remaining individuals forever? And how far back can you communicate in your own experience? That's a great question, Paul, truly, and uh, yes, I do remember Rusty the Cat. I don't remember what he told me, but gosh, I can't remember what I did five minutes ago. But um, <laughs> I'm at that <laughs> age, yeah. <laughs> it's a great question, and, and I will tell you, I'm speaking only from my experience, because that's all I can share with you, is what I have found, and I have some clients that are in their late 90s, and I'm able to connect with pets that they had from childhood, hmm. and the pets... Their idiosyncrasies, their quirkiness, their uh, their habits, their characteristics, their personalities, all come through pure and true to how they were remembered by the client. So my theory is that it doesn't time doesn't matter because you know time doesn't exist on the other side. There is no calendar. There is no clock. There is no there is no time li- linear time. 
So in my theory, in my belief, once a physical being, such as a cat or dog or horse or a pet, uh, transitions out of their physical body, I think that their energy can remain what we remember it because they're able to pull. It's like having a memory card. It's like having a SIM card with all your memories on it. They can pull from those memories and share those with me. And and how it's done, I have no clue. Yeah, I, I, I really respect that. Um, it's it. That's that's how I I don't know about Ben. That's how I I would try to understand it. Is that these anything that's part of our well, physicists might call it a consciousness wave. Uh, any animal, any person, anything. It's all really part of us, and there is a certain synchronicity. I, I should. Um, well, I don't know. I'm not going to use the word symbiosis, but but some sort of um, synergy, if you will, between us and what we love, including our pets. So I really relate to what you're saying there, Karen. Um, did, did we get to all our questions? Let's. Um, oh no. Okay, well, let, let's take our second question. Yeah, I'm we gonna, we kind of got those in. We got a little. I just I'm excited about this subject. So. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so we have uh, Peter from Columbia uh, as well, who wrote to us. Uh, Karen, can you give us a visual concept of the other world that you communicate with? Um, is it a world of just blobs of energy floating around or something? Or is it different from our world? Are there earthly-type landscapes or environments? I love I love that question. Um, no, it's not blobs. It's not globs. It's, it's not um, weird amoeba-shaped things floating around. Uh, when I connect with the other side as uh, I am conducting a session with a departed pet or a departed human, because I also am a medium, so I can speak to departed humans. What happens is it's very much exactly like how it is here. It seems to be an overlapping or a parallel, almost like back before we had uh, printers. Remember, we we had like those... uh, um, Carbon copies, you know, you, you pull the carbon away and you can see the image. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, I'm I'm dating myself, but y- you get what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, hey, I get that. <laughs> it's like an overlay. It's a transparent overlay. But I will see different images, such as when I connect with a pet, I can see them on their favorite chair. I can see them in the kitchen looking up at their food bowl. I can see them outside playing with their you know, their family or their loved ones or whoever that they're with. I see the imagery, and it's very much uh, as you and I would see it if we looked outside. It's actually brighter colored. It's more vivid. It's more, it's beautiful. It's like you don't want to leave. You want to stay there, and you want to just lounge in it. You don't want to leave it. It's very loving. It's very comfortable. It's it feels very silky smooth, but it's not necessarily the daylight like what like what we see outside. It's a different kind of the lighting is different. That's the best way I can describe it because the light comes from within, so it's an internal light. It's hard to describe unless you've seen it yourself. But I do get snippets and flashes of actual memories. But when I'm on the other side connecting with a departed soul. The actual afterlife itself is, to me, very focused because I'm looking at whoever it is that I'm communicating with. I'm actually seeing them. I see them in my mind's eye. 
So I'm focusing on them, so I'm looking for characteristics and traits, but the, the imagery around them is very real looking to me, very lifelike, very transparent of what we see right now. So it's no globs, no blobs, no amoebas, no uh, nothing weird like that. It's very realistic from what I've seen. So not like chemistry class. Or anything. No, no, right. no, no. And we have another question, Ben? We, I think we have time for one more. We do. Uh, so this is from uh, Rona in Cumberland, right, right here in our listening area, and she writes, uh, I love Karen's books. Uh, can she tell us about her best cold case? <laughs> well, thank you, Rona. I appreciate that so much. <laughs> and I, w- I would have to say, uh, let me see, my most favorite cold case. Uh, okay. Well, I, I'm still working on it. So I can share little snippets of information, but there's currently a case that I'm working on. It's uh, about a very old murder in Central Park, and the suspect was walking his dog, and he admitted to being at the park at the time that the victim was killed walking his dog, And I was able to get the full story from the dog. The dog showed me everything because the dog was with him. I saw the whole thing happen, and it was as if I was had a front row seat. It wasn't very pleasant to see what I saw. But the dog showed me everything. The dog told me everything. And now the police are working on obtaining the evidence so that they can make an arrest. And this is a quite an old case. It's back in the 80s. Hmm. So uh, that's probably the one that is my favorite, simply because it's kind of in my face right now, and that's what I'm working on. And it's so vivid. The information and the details were so vivid and so amazing. And get this, the dog has been passed on for years. So I'm communicating with the departed pet who's telling me what happened on that fateful day back in the 80s. Now, do you, are you actually dealing with the police on this? And, and if so, um, I'm sure your background in police work adds to your credibility. Uh, well, I would like to hope so, but <laughs> <laughs> um, it does give me some credibility, and it certainly helps me open doors when they see that I was a police officer myself. There are a lot of agencies now that are that welcome information from mediums and psychics like myself because that's true why why not i mean some information is better than no information right so they're actually changing they used to not want to deal with me at all now they're changing their tune and they're very much open to it so I, i am working currently working with them and uh there's a particular investigator who i did a private reading for so he trusts me 100% because I did a reading for him. Well, that, that, we hear that everywhere we go. I mean, police are taking this more seriously, and I've always found that the paranormal has been most obvious to police, clergy, and psychiatrists, particularly psychiatric social workers. So yes. there you have it. Um, moving on to something a little bit uh, new and different, um, <clears throat> do you run into, and I'll tell you why I ask this, do you run into owls? in any special way in your work? I'll tell you why I asked that. Okay. I Not really. And okay. let, me tell you, let me tell you why. I am basically a pet psychic. I get paid to connect with people's pets. And wild animals are great, 
and I love them. They're all around my house, and I do communicate with them here out in eastern Washington where I live. Um, but, you know, my bread and butter, the way I make my money and my income in this life is to communicate with people's pets. So I preserve and conserve my energy to do that because, um, well, I don't know about you, Paul, but I'm getting older. <laughs> I'm not getting older, no. And I know, <laughs> and, you know, it takes us longer to, to do things, and, and we have to work harder at it the older we get. And so I have found that I have to really conserve my energy for my clients because sure, if I, sure. I go around talking to the animals all day, can you imagine I would be so pooped I wouldn't be able <laughs> to do my sessions? I hear you. I hear you, kid. I, I, the reason I ask is because we had a guest uh, on a few years ago, and I thought of you when he was on. His name is Mike Clallant, and he's written two books called The Messengers, uh, the basic title, and when I first heard of this, I said, this is too weird. But it was um, owls as messengers of other worlds, particularly, you know, if you want to say aliens or whatever, or um, other forms of life taking the form of owls. And I thought, this is really too out there even for us. But the more I found out about it, the more interesting it became. And then two weeks ago at this conference, uh, the X-Filers, um, I met and spent a little time with Mike uh, and his... Uh, and his uh, partner, and they were up. They're in upstate New York, uh, and he's he's had a lot of interesting experiences, particularly in Utah. And I, I really think this is interesting. And we're going to have him back, so that's that's why I ask if if owls and some of the things that he deals with that initially look like owls. I mean, turn out to be something else. But the stories he presented from witness after witness after witness uh, who got in touch with him. Uh, about owl connections or owl-like connections uh, were very interesting, and I just was interested to see if you had uh, ever encountered anything like that, and you know, in, in your in your many years of travels in this. But well, um, I've definitely, I've definitely okay. heard I've heard that same thing, so that rings very true to me too. Mm -hmm. I wish I had a personal experience that I could share on that. Yeah, me too. But I would say that it doesn't surprise me, or wouldn't surprise me, and. You know, until I've had a personal experience, it's hard for me to say. I will say it's definitely possible, and I and I wouldn't be surprised that something like that happens. I mean, truly, there's so much out there that we don't understand, and we can't wrap our head around. You know, I would totally believe that. Sure. Okay. Uh, before we we have a couple of final questions, but um, we we uh, in. Our intro gave uh, talked about your books and your website, but why don't you give us those once again and uh, tell us where people can contact you. Okay. Well, the easiest way is my website, which is very simply KarenAnderson.net, and that has everything. I even have a free book offer right now going on for a limited time. I'm giving away my number one best-selling book, if you can believe it. <laughs> and uh, I also offer animal communication courses where I teach others how to communicate. I have an online course, and then I have private coaching as well. And, of course, my books are on Amazon, The Amazing Afterlife of Animals, and Hear All Creatures. And they're Audible and Barnes & Noble. They're out there all over. Well, I mentioned that we were the, the initial uh, publishers of, of uh, your first book, Hear All Creatures. And uh, Ben and I were saying we wish we had... At the time, uh, the imprint uh, Barking Cat Books, that would have been perfect. Uh, 
instead of New River Press. But in any case, <laughs> that was one of the most enjoyable editorial experiences I had. So I encourage people to check out check out all your books. Um, taking everything we've said to, I guess, another level that might be closer to our work, Karen, um, do you, would it be possible to communicate, uh, as you do, with um, Bigfoot or other cryptids, uh, given the caveat that they might, might not be ordinary flesh and blood creatures? I mean, have you ever done that? Or have you ever heard of it? Or could it be done theoretically, do you think? Well, I, th- I think it can be done, but let me just be really clear. I have... I work off of a photo. That's how I connect with people's pets. Mm-hmm. So let's let's say you were going to have a session with me, like with Rusty. You had to send me his picture because yes. that's that's how I connect with Rusty. So you know it gets down to the infamous pictures of Bigfoot, and <laughs> they're always fuzzy. They're always blurry. They're always you know way off in the distance. Some you know dark figure moving around. So my biggest issue is. I would need a really clear picture because the way that I connect you guys is through the eyes. That's mm-hmm. where that's my connection. So I guess it is possible. I have not ever done it, but it is very possible. I think again you run into the whole area of you start to question, okay, am I making this up? Is this my brain autofilling? What in the world am I getting from this being, this creature? I think that would play into it a lot, but I am certainly open to it because I, I do think it would be possible, but it comes down to that getting a good picture. Okay. Now, with respect that, I remember we, I remember sending you pictures of, uh, of people's pets and plus our own. Uh, okay, well, that's fair enough. Now, just in our last few minutes here, um, can you give us examples of some of the most striking and dramatic communications and results you have had over the years with pets i i would love to and i think one of the the most common things that i have found when i communicate with pets especially departed pets is how much healing takes place when they're humans their caretakers hear the messages because my clients will come to me completely devastated by the loss of a beloved pet and then just one little message, and sometimes, you guys, it's the most seemingly small, insignificant message, brings about the biggest healing and helps that person move out of their grief. And I'll share a, an example for you. I had a client come to me, um, and he, his little chihuahua, like a four-pound chihuahua, had slipped his harness in front of a Petco when they were walking in and he ran out in front of a car and got hit right in front of his human. And uh, this man was just absolutely devastated. So he contacted me for a session. He read my book, contacted me for a private session, and the little dog came through just as happy as ever. And that's the other thing that's amazing, too. They don't they don't hold on to stuff like we do. I mean, they, they just don't. But this little dog asked me to talk about the letter. He said, tell my dad, call you, their moms and dads, tell my dad that I saw him writing a letter. And, you know, nobody writes letters anymore. We're always on the computer. <laughs> so not, yeah. Well, this, I wonder, maybe he wrote a letter, uh, you know, something, maybe he wrote a book about the dog. I didn't know what the letter was. I just s- sent the message. So I told my client what the little dog said. 
and he burst into tears, sobbing and crying hysterically, but in a good way because he said that he was so despondent over the loss of his dog that he uh, tried to commit suicide, and he wrote a suicide note. Gee. And it was all about the little dog and how he felt so responsible for the little dog's death. And the little dog basically said, you know, I'm fine, look at me, I'm doing great, and I can see that you wrote this letter. That one message totally healed that man. He did not feel guilty anymore. He knew his little dog was doing great. He knew that his energy continued on because how would the little dog know that he wrote the letter after the dog passed? Mm Mm-hmm. So that, to me, is the power of animal communication right there. That's amazing. What's your next step? I mean, do you have any other books uh, coming up? Are uh, you going to be speaking anywhere soon or what? Yes, I'm actually working on the next manuscript right now. It's going to be a continuation of The Amazing Afterlife of Animals because everybody wants uh, more stories. And, you know, I've been conducting sessions for over 22 years now, so I have tons and tons of stories to share. So. Mm. That's my next thing. Uh, I also have a couple of really exciting uh, things coming up for me. I have a mobile app I'm getting ready to release so that people can just hop Hmm. right onto a mobile app. I'm just working in the final stages of getting the content uploaded. And um, I don't have any other uh, actual speaking engagements coming up, but uh, possibly one in November at the Port Gamble Ghost Conference is uh it's on my i put it on my calendar so i'm going to shoot for the port gamble ghost conference okay and and where does that take place that's in port gamble washington so it's it's way on the west side all right um up in beautiful washington state i'm in eastern washington so that's you know fairly close to me we'll we'll arrange a charter jet from new england (laughs) anyway <clears throat> That's excellent. So your website, uh, KarenAnderson.net, is, is that the same site as AnimalCommunicating.com? It is. It's all okay. one and the same. It's just easier to spell KarenAnderson.net. <laughs> sure. Excellent. Karen, thank you so much. It's always such a pleasure to be with you. And uh, keep up the very interesting work, and we'll be in touch. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on, and uh, I really appreciate what you're putting out there into the world and thanks to your listeners too and I hope they check out my free book offer on the website very good and uh, we have uh, we'll have uh, links to the site uh, on our site too okay thank you Karen <clears throat> okay let's get to our um, <clears throat> excuse me our um, announcements here um, our next event uh, will be the fourth community meeting we will have had in the Pennsylvania Paranormal Flap area in west central part of the state, and that will be at 1 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, April 25th at the Over the Mountain Restaurant at Rockton, Pennsylvania. It's primarily for residents of the area to update us on, our, on their experiences, but there will be a presentation by our group, including ourselves, um, well, maybe not Ben, but our, our ever-popular guest host, uh, Shane Searway, uh, astronomer and Science Channel personality Mark D'Antonio, filmmaker Alexander Petikoff, broadcaster, UFO researcher Charles Credo, all are welcome. Uh, there's no charge for the event, but people are encouraged to order from the menu to help thank our host. And on the following day, the 26th, we will do our show from right from the site, and that'll be a two-hour special with apologies to the fans of uh, when radio was. It'll be 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, right here at WON 1240 AM, 99.3 FM, and we will have a... Um, 
a great time with, with uh, some of the witnesses there. Uh, we have neighborhood meetings with 30, over 30 people show up and, the, and they've all seen Bigfoot and strange lights uh, over, in some cases, over generations in this area. So uh, we're really looking forward to this uh, investigation and event and live show. Uh, on Tuesday, August 6th at 7 p.m., uh, I'll be at the Nashua Public Library in Nashua, New Hampshire, to present a program entitled Extreme UFO Encounters in New Hampshire and Beyond. And right after that, on Saturday, August 17th uh, at 2 p.m., we'll be at the Haverhill Public Library in Haverhill, Massachusetts, to present on Extreme UFO Encounters uh, and in uh, Massachusetts and beyond. Uh, so we, we're, we're just going state by state now. <laughs> yeah, we, we are. <clears throat> well, we offer that. If people want to book us, we'll, we'll make it local. Um, my book, uh, Dancing Past the Graveyard, Poltergeists, Parasites, Parallel Worlds, and God, will be released on August 28th uh, from Schiffer Publishing. And uh, we'll, we'll, it'll be in stores after that date and will feature at all our fall events. It's now available for pre-order on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, etc., uh, SchifferBooks.com, other online retailers. Uh, the official release event will take place with our good friends at the Toadstool Bookshop in Keene, New Hampshire, on Saturday, September t- September 21st, beginning at 2 p.m. That that'll make sure the book has finally arrived and is available. So, but before that, we'll be at the 2019 Exeter UFO Festival, uh, where we will speak for the eighth year in a row, as well as do our fourth uh, annual live broadcast from uh, uh, of the show from this venue with a panel of speakers uh, from the events. So that's on sa- Sunday. September 1st at the historic Exeter, New Hampshire uh, Town Hall. And this event is, uh, is well, it's great, and it's sponsored by the Exeter Kiwanis Club and uh, benefits local children's charities. Uh, other events this fall will take place at the Book Club Bookstore in South Windsor, Connecticut, Book Lovers Gourmet in Webster, Mass., right in our listening area, and also in our listening area, Blackstone Public Library, right here. Uh, and, of course, the Greater New England UFO Conference in Lemonster, Mass., right on the edge of our listening area on Columbus Day weekend. Oh, it's quite a bit going on. So a lot you, going on. Yeah, indeed. So if you want to get any of our books, including Behind the Paranormal, uh, Everything You Know is Wrong, and Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You've Never Heard of, they're available from on time, online retailers and in some stores. But for autographed copies, please visit the online bookstore at BehindTheParanormal.com. Also at uh, BehindTheParanormal.com, which is growing rapidly, and as a matter of fact, people are writing in saying they really enjoy it, but it, you know it's a lot to get through it. Uh, you can certainly find out about our many cases over the years, uh, the, the show, the history of the show, uh, public appearances, how to book us, and you'll find over 800 free recorded shows from our 10-plus years on the air, including our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. And I wanted to remind people, too, that, that the show is now carried live on the Paranormal Radio app at TalkStream.com, as well as TuneIn.com. So. Also, there are links to several charities that we have adopted for the show, including USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, uh, Youth Mentoring Connection out in Los Angeles, uh, Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, and the Sisterhood of Ground Zero. And also, we are uh, coming up with a way to sort of have uh, you know sponsors for the show. So if if there's and if you own a business that you know may be in the realm that you'd want to sponsor our show, well, we can we can come up with something for you. Yeah, there's now a separate page uh, behind the paranormal.com and just it's advertised on the show. It's 
it's the last link and uh, check it out. We uh, we've neglected that, and I think if especially if you have an online business, this is the mm. place place for you. So we are for next week, Ben. So next week uh, on May nineteenth, uh, we will finish up our recent Hudson River Valley theme with the experiencers of the Hudson River Valley with Dr. Uh, Wahaba. Hadia Al Muid. Uh, so that uh, if you get your questions in, you can go to paulbehindtheparanormal.com for those, and you can find us on Facebook or call during the show. And uh, we're pretty much out of time. So <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, I'm Paul Eno, and I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we shall see you next time. Oh, well, maybe not. <laughs> All right. But we will, but we will see you next time here on Behind the Paranormal.